Hi everyone, uh, thanks for coming along to another episode of Legends of the Spire. Dave here, great that you can be with us. Uh, now on the podcast today, I spoke to Glyn Hurst. Now, Glyn is very fondly remembered in Chesterfield for the goal he scored on the last day of the season in 2004 against Luton that kept Roy McFarlane's men up against the odds. Uh, a completely joyous occasion, um, which completely just pulled me into being a supporter of the club forever because it was just such a great moment to be a football fan. Um, Glynn had quite a few seasons with us at Chesterfield, scoring lots of goals, had loads of pace, um, formed a really good partnership up front with various strikers uh, from around the time, and then uh, went on to Notts County after being with us. Uh, but he had a really interesting career before joining Chesterfield. He um, uh, ended up in South Africa for a while, uh, also ended up at Spurs and his hometown club of Barnsley. Uh, so it was really good to catch up with him and have a chat about his time at Chesterfield. Um, he is now uh, a teacher, as well as working for Marine, uh, still in the football world. And uh, yeah, it was really interesting to get his take on plenty of things, both football and non-football related. Uh, now, the sound didn't record brilliantly on this one. Uh, I've done my best to uh, kind of improve the quality as much as I can. Uh, but sorry about the sound recording, but it's a really interesting chat, so I hope you stay with it. Uh, as always, we are at Spy Legends on Twitter, Legends of the Spire on Facebook and Instagram. So do get in touch if you like what you see and hear. But here we are with the latest episode of the podcast with Glenn Hurst. Yeah, so it's an interesting start actually for you. Um, because we usually like get a, a bit of a background of people before they come to Chesterfield. Obviously, for you, you had quite a few clubs before Chesterfield, but I'm really interested in this whole like Barnsley to South Africa um, to Tottenham, then back to Barnsley. Yeah, well, it was it was an interesting one. Obviously, I was born in Barnsley, and uh, when I was six, uh, my mum and dad had the opportunity to move me and my two older brothers out there, you know, for work reasons. And I think uh, my mum and dad took the decision from a financial point of view uh, to, you know, go out to South Africa, maybe have a, have a better life and, you know, better prospects for us, for us as their children and better, maybe better opportunities. But they never really, in all fairness, Dave, they never really spoke about that. So we never know the real reasons why, you know, we didn't move. We, we, we moved when I was six and, you know, it was, it was a fabulous, fabulous country. You know, couldn't be made more more welcome as somebody obviously who's coming from England, living in, going to to different countries. A fabulous country, a great outdoor lifestyle, and obviously, you know, football is uh, one of the staple you know sports out there. So you know, to find a club, and there's loads of clubs up there out there. So started my career well, just playing out there, playing football. Uh, was first and foremost I played for a club called Kempton Park, then moved on to Avian and then ended up at a club called Benoni Northern. So I played for three, three clubs when I was out there. Really good, really enjoyable as, as well as school football and counties football, what you call it over here, it's provincial over there. Uh, eventually, you know, used to make the provincial size and it was the second year, I think the first year. When I went, I was under 15, we went to the under 16 national tournament and we got beat by Western Province. It was Quinton Fortune's Western Province. And he, he beat about seven people, about seven of our lads and stuck in the top corner and they beat us one in the semi-final. And so we went out of the semi-final, but I still had another year. So Quinton got picked up by Tottenham that year. But obviously, 
I think in the semi-final, due to injury reasons, I had been moved to sweep over the three, you know, to try and nullify my Quinton's pace. And for whatever reason, our manager felt that that was a, a good idea. So we went with it. We ended up getting beat. Uh, I, think, I think he beat us twice <laughs> in, in his run. When he went on his mazy run, so I don't think that particularly worked that well. But you know, good memories. And then obviously we went back there the next year. And what people didn't realise all our team was a year ago. Every single one of us was. So we had two years. So we went back the next year to the national tournament, and uh, the manager changed. And in his wisdom, he moved me back up front, and I think I ended up the tournament's leading scorer with I think about 16 or 18 goals. I can't remember what it was. And I got player of the tournament, and then lo and behold, I had to make a choice between Tottenham came knocking because obviously they must have seen us the year before and kept tabs. And Bayern Munich and uh, uh, Bayern Munich actually after the final beat Eastern Province. I think it was one of them in the final score ever for the winner. Uh, they had a contract there waiting, uh, waiting for us to sign for the two years. And uh, Tottenham, it was Colin Gee, who was a scout. He said, well, you know, wait wait a minute, we'll, we'll organise you a trial over in Tottenham. So Bayern Munich wanted to sign us there and then. And, uh, you know, probably in hindsight, that might have been, <laughs> might have been a, a good option, as in when we were talking about player development in, in, in those days, maybe Germany was way ahead of England in the way that they brought their youngsters through. But I thought, you know what, I'll take my chances. I, 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 you know, obviously with my family background being in England, I always, I can honestly say, I always dreamed of wanting to play football in England and in the English Premier League. Well, if not in the English Premier League, I also like a Barnsley supporter, which was Championship with Mick McCarthy and the likes, and really, really good, solid uh, Barnsley team. So those those were my memories, and I think as a footballer, I always saw myself playing in the, in, in the English football leagues. So went to uh, Tottenham. We had a game against West Ham, which was fortunate. I scored a hat trick, and then we played Millwall. I scored another hat trick, and. Uh, then the lo and behold, the sign, the sign, and I don't think I scored for about another 10 games. I think it almost happened to the But I think that was a culmination of that was a culmination of things. I think uh, obviously it was a big move, 10,000 miles away, living with like you know, your, your dick's family, so to speak, and getting to know the lads. Going from a warm country where the, the, the pictures were hard and quite grassy to coming into you know, the early part of the winter season where the pitches were heavier, you know, the lads were, the, the, the game was a lot more physical. Uh, the, the going from basically training twice a week and playing three times a week to full-time training uh, was a, it was a significant uh, transition. And I can honestly say, I think for the first three to six months, I, I didn't didn't struggle because like they moved me between playing at the back, at centre half and up front and I adapted well because that's what I was used to, like you know, being brought up in South Africa, what the managers did that with me for whatever reason. So I was comfortable with that. So that happened a lot in my, my time. I think when my confidence was a little bit down, though the managers used to move me to the back or players in the sweep of a three, which I could play equally as well, and I was quite used to that. But it wasn't that, it was a physical, the physical demands. And I think after about a year, I contacted their Clanchard of Beaver. I contacted, I think, it was an A strain, a really, really uh, bad, bad strain of it. And it actually knocked me for a six. I, could, I couldn't, literally, I couldn't get out of bed for about eight weeks. 
You know, I've even got a scar on the thing where I had to track the awesome there and actually got rushed to hospital. Uh, get, got kept awake for two nights because my glands were that swollen that if I would have gone to sleep, I would have died. You know, and I, I had it really bad, but I think that was a culmination of going from that environment in South Africa to full-time training and, you know, the thing where I think nowadays the youngsters are, are a lot better catered for and rightfully so. They're going from that environment to things. So it wasn't... Uh, even though it was a it was a great opportunity, and I'm very grateful and thankful for that, there was there was a lot of things, but even hurdles I had to overcome, even in those those early years. Believe it or not, it was at the time that obviously I got invited up to go to Barnsley because Eric Wynn Stanley, who played with my dad, got rest his soul. He's just passed away uh, just recently. He got in touch and invited me up for a trial, but at the same time, uh, Barlow was the assistant manager at Derby, believe it or not. Yeah, really? And with Arthur Cox, they got in there first, and Rory invited me up there. So I went up to Derby for about two weeks. I was doing really well. They wanted to sign us, and then Eric got back in touch. He got back in touch. He said, will you just come up and play a game for uh, the reserves against? I can't remember who it was. It was a little one. So I thought, yeah, you know what, I'll just go up. And then Roy actually phoned us up. He said, no, don't we, we want to sign you. And they did, to be fair. So I thought, no, it's my own time. I thought I want to, you know, go, go, go and test me water and go, you know, but that's where my family's from. And so I went up there, you know, Viv uh, Anderson was the manager and Danny Wilson his assistant and Eric was a coach. They liked, uh, they liked it instantly and they said, yeah, we'll offer you a year. I know Darby were going to offer us uh, two years, but my mind was made up. You know, my, my mum and dad's family were there and I knew a few people and I thought, you know, I feel a lot more settled. And so that's how the, the Barnsley uh, move came about. And that was a, as a right wing back, believe it or not. When they, uh, there'll, be a lot of, there'll be a lot of like Chesterfield fans here thinking you're playing centre half and, and right wing back. I don't know what it was, honestly. Just growing up, a manager just thought, well, I think we'll play as there and the players there. And I, I think I, I did quite well wherever they played. Oh, I, I tried to do my best wherever they put me. And I think because of that, then, you know, it was predominantly was, was a forward. I, I think I remember playing 18 months as a centre half. And uh, you know, in a, in a three, and uh, it uh, it wasn't as you know simple, straightforward. That I was a centre four, and and that's just whatever managers saw. That's what they saw. So I I just went with it. I just thought, you know, as long as I'm playing football, it didn't not really bother me. Absolutely, you know? and and, uh, and that was good enough for me. So that's how how, how the move to Barnsley came came about, and obviously it had three. What I would say frustrating years at, uh, at Barnsley, you know, Danny was a really good manager. He brought great times to the club. Well, unfortunately, nearly last year, you know, obviously the, the, the manager who's just gone to West Brom nearly recreated that. And I was part, I was in and around the squad for the three years, you know, playing regularly for the reserves. Uh, we did really well the first year. In fact, we finished sixth, but that year, for whatever reason, there was only one what got promoted. And there was four in the playoffs. We would finish six. I was usually we would have had a chance of going to the playoffs and doing great things. And I might have been there. Well, I would have had a great opportunity of, of being on the bench. But if, if I look back in all honesty, the squad probably wasn't quite ready at that time to, to, to make that jump into the Premier League. And then the second season, I was, you know, in and out of the squad all the time, probably becoming more frustrated. 
probably wanted to run before I walk and maybe a bit of my ambitions as well, you know, to, 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 to make it. Uh, and then the third season, everything seemed to click. Uh, but as a result of that, we got off to a good start. I was on the bench in the squad training. And because we got off to a good start, uh, Danny Gorty, John Wilkinson, and uh, Paul Wilkinson and John Henry, and they, they were fantastic and it took the club to a new level. But because of that, obviously, when that happens and the club starts to go down, those avenues bring those good, experienced players in what, you know, have the experience of taking clubs up and it proves successful again. Then as a young lad, you, you obviously, you're the one, uh, you're the ones who miss out. Mm. You become frustrated and uh, it was a really good time. You know, the, the, the squad, the third year advance, it was exceptionally good. You know, and I learned a lot from a, a lot of really, really good players and, uh, unfortunately, obviously, when the squad gets stronger and you're on the fringes, you, you end up missing out. Uh, Ronnie Glavin had been in touch with me from from Emily, which was the which is the conference north now, which is, was north of Trem at the time. He'd been in contact for full post to uh, about three four months, and I'd been up to watch. And my brother was playing for them, so I knew they they were a pretty decent team. And I thought, you know, I'm going to come with losses, go there, uh, you know, take it, take it on the chin and bounce back and get into professional football that way. And you know, I'm glad I did because it was it wasn't making it wasn't making of it. It worked, it worked out really well, didn't it? Doing that because obviously it must have been disappointing having to drop down quite a few quite a few leagues. But then you've got that opportunity to impress, haven't you? And it was the FA Cup run, wasn't it? That that really like got you in the limelight, I suppose. Yeah, it was, and you know, you, you know, I always say, I say to my own Sunday, when you know, to my pupils or anybody, you know, when I'm giving the advice, you know, if you if you make decisions for the right reasons, they somehow always turns out right. But you, you don't know why, and uh, you, I can't explain why a lot of the times. But you know, I, I made it in all fairness, and I made the, the decision. What I felt right for me because I think Leighton Orient had come in for me and wanted to give me two years, and I think Mansfield Town wanted to do the same. Steve Parker, but you know what, Henry felt right. And fortunately, you know, it wasn't only that, we had a really good team, uh, a really, really good team uh, at Emily, and we had the FA Cup run, but uh, we beat a lot of big hitters along the way. I think the team what won the Conference South, we beat Nonita, the ones who won the Conference Prem was in Morecambe, I think. Thing. We beat them, uh, we beat Lincoln, who won the second division, and then we played West Ham. We should have, we should have beat them at Upton Park. You know, the, the, the 2 1 game without Shadow, before John Hartson uh, scored his winner with, with 10 minutes to go, we, we had been the, the better team. Apart from the first 15 minutes, we had to weather the storm. But you know, you got to bear in mind they had like Joe Cole, they had Rio Ferdinand, Frank Lampard, Stan Lazaridis, John Hartson. And they were there, I think they were third in the Premier League, we were going great runs at the time. They had a really, really talented team. What you know, you've seen where the players went on to in their careers. And, uh, we gave them, I don't think we gave them, we gave them more than a try, more than matched them on the day. And uh, even to this day, I can still, I can honestly sit here and say, you know, I'm disappointed we didn't beat them. You know, but we, we just, it was, it was a good, it was a good move at the right time, done for the right reasons. And then you ended up at Chesterfield via your move to Stockport, didn't you? Because it was, what, 
50,000 to Stockport? I think it was about 250. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was about 200 because I know that Hearts had offered 250 grand and Stockport had offered 250 grand. And probably at the time, if I, I didn't, uh, I, I wasn't really aware that, you know, I knew that Stockport played 4 3 3 and I kind of knew the way Andy wanted to, to, to play. But I, I'd gone from a, you know, hey, we've got a proper football team, we've got all through it quick and get up and teams up and through possession base and the, the, the move to Stockholm, you know, Stockholm were direct. I didn't realise what I mean. Direct with the back, back to front, chase it, and that's which way that's which way you played. Now, if I would have known that at the time, probably, I probably would have gone to Hearts, in all fairness. With Jim Jeffries, because he's been showing it interest for, for a number of years. And, uh, you know, that, and that's the reason, you know, it's a great club, Stockport, brilliant fans, you know, brilliant people. I mean, I still keep in touch with people behind the scenes. They have been back, right, to do some presentations and, you know, to, to see the fans and, and do more what you do. And I think it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a really good club, but it, it was just... But the, the style of play just didn't suit me there. Mm. You know, at the end of the day, I, I played right or left with three, and basically I was like chasing the balls to get corners and, and set pieces. It was a, yeah, with it being a swap deal with Luke Beckett, there's always a, there's always kind of a chance that these things might fall through if you both on either side don't agree to it, I suppose. Uh, was yeah, it? yeah, it was. I, I knew because obviously I knew Luke from Barnsley, so you know, I did, I did, I did speak to him, and Luke was keen for for it to happen, and I was keen for it to happen because you know it's uh, I didn't, I didn't uh, enjoy the style of play under Andy, and I don't think it changed particularly much under Carlton, if I'm honest. And uh, you know, I knew I knew the way Nicky and him uh, played and how to play football. And that, that was more to my liking. And, and, and probably, you know, in hindsight, it worked out well for both parties. You know, Luke did very, very well for Stockport. So he went on to be a bit of a club legend. And uh, I came to Chesterfield and, you know, I'm, I'm happy with my contribution to, to the team and the club over the three years. I think I, think I did well. I think the, the team did well uh, under very, very trying and difficult circumstances. And uh, I, I think it, I think it works out well on, on both ends. If I'm, if I'm honest, yeah, I was, I was going to say because when when you came to us, it was obviously a big transitional period in the club that had obviously all of the turmoil, and then obviously part of the Luke Beckett leaving was kind of trying to balance the books and 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 things, I, I suppose. So I, I suppose you knew what you were coming into, didn't you, in terms of... Yeah, I certainly did. I, I, I knew exactly the extent of what was happening. They were very honest with me. But you know what, I didn't mind because at the end of the day, that there was a challenge that we all, all faced. And we all faced together. Yeah, we won't go down as, as, as the greatest chess of the team of all time. But, you know, it was the circumstances. You know, if we, if we consider what we achieved in the three seasons... With the budget, I think uh, I've been told, and I've been told, I think we had a conference call budget at the time over those three years to play in the first in League One is, is extra special to do that and to stay up every season for the three seasons. We did wonderful, wonderful work, the whole squad, the management team, people behind the fans, you know, just to get the club back and even keep and uh, you know to overcome the odds, so to speak, season upon season, and it's quite ironic that obviously 
the bench came from Bruce and the season after, I think he got relegated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, so there, 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 there's a lot to, for, for, for me, there's a, there's, a, there's a real story in that itself. And, you know, I think in, in, in the preceding years from, from, from that, I think the club spent a lot of, lot of money and it's, it's nice to see James doing wonderful work now at Adelaide. And it seems eventually that it's been a more well thought out uh, appointment and I think the club will benefit because of that. Brecken. Bert couldn't reach the header, but Allen again goes chasing. Working hard this afternoon, Mark Allen. The cross comes in, Glenhurst! Oh, it's an over Chesterfield! Glenhurst is the scorer, and there's two goals in as many minutes for the Spyrites. Great ball in, first of all, from Mark Keller, the older man, and Glenhurst finished it. And now Chesterfield can come forward to Glenhurst. Allert, Hurst, he's on his own at the moment, Glenhurst, with several Oldham shirts around him. He's still going, can he stick this one home? Hurst! Oh, yes! What a marvellous goal from Glenhurst! That sealed the points for the Spyrites this afternoon. It's four goals to two, and Glenhurst has scored a cracking final goal. What What was it like when Nicky Law left soon after you signed? <laughs> well, obviously, you know, you know, Nicky was uh, ambitious and, and rightfully so. But I think if you if you ask Nicky, because I did, I did listen to his uh, interview. And, Quite wise words where he said, you know, if he had, I think he said if he had his time again, that he would uh, he wouldn't have left so soon to go to to Bradford. I think he had a, a he went from Chesterfield, where you know he was a club legend, not only as a player, but he'd done great work as a manager. He was building his reputation. Then you know, I think he went to somewhere in Bradford with Jeffrey Richmond, because I think Jeffrey Richmond was trying to pick the team like <laughs> in between the lines and. And then Nicky must have thought, well, I've gone from where I can, you know, even though I'm financially, you know, a bit strangled to probably got promised the earth and probably got to do nothing, so to speak. And, uh, he must have thought, well, oh, I've come into here. So, you know, it's, it is important that, uh, you know, one move can make you, but one move can break you as well. Mm. And I, I honestly think, I think Nicky's a really, really good manager. Really good fun, knows his football, knows his stuff, knows a good recruiter players of talent. But if uh, you know, if we sat here with Nicky, I think Nicky would say maybe that is the managerial move or what provoked him as a manager, so to speak, in the, in the higher echelons of, of, of the game. You know, it's uh, it, I probably if he had his time again, it probably would have helped my first season and. Uh, maybe gone down a different route but it's so important that uh, and as mentioned it earlier you know i understand ambition and ambition is good but you can't just move for ambition sake sometimes mm. because the grass is not screen on the other side he actually tried to sign us at bradford he did try to sign us at uh, bradford to go there and and i would have because i like nicky's style i like the way he played i like the way he motivated you knew where you stood with him uh, there was a lot of things i liked about him but you know, he obviously went on and did, did great work at Alfredton, but I think Nicky's greatest regret probably would be going to Bradford because he, that would have, he would have viewed that as his big break, so to speak, but, you know, behind the scenes it wasn't a big break as, as, as yeah. probably what he thought. So it's, 
there's lessons to be learned uh, from from all angles. There, I think. Who I, I, I wanted to ask who you liked playing up front with because obviously while you were here, like um, David Reeves left and then came back again. I think that was like the second season you were here, two thousand two three season. Um, and there was kind of people like Jamie Burt that was around in your first season, and and in the last season like Chaman Toya and Marvin Robinson came in around then as well. I wondered who you liked playing with. Uh, I, I, I must say I, I enjoyed you know and this thing. Uh, Marvin was a good player unfulfilled uh, potential but I think he carried a lot of injuries and he never really got them uh, probably sorted I think if he would have I think would have, there was a real player there you know real, real potential yeah. uh, Chan was could be anything on his day he could be unplayable and then uh, the next day he could be well uh, where does that Chan come from yesterday <laughs> could be a good player but personality but I you know I think I think we hit it off Personally, you know, we got on really, really well. Uh, he's a terrific lad to have around the uh, change room, very positive, a very dynamic, uh, uplifting kind of personality. You know, never ever one day, even like, you know, was, you know, I think he phoned us up one day on the way to training, and it still makes me laugh to this day. Remember the idol song out of the white flag, I would go down with his shit. He put that on full blast and he played that and he sang along to it. And, you know, this is when like, we were staring down the barrel and it looked like we was going to go down. But he just had a unique way about lifting people. You know, he, he was terrific. And I just I just really enjoyed playing with him. I think we I think we caused uh, defensive loss and loss of problems, especially with Brando coming off of off, off either wing as well. I think once that, you know, really, that third season, once that took hold, that, that caused teams a lot of problems and a lot of teams didn't have to deal with it. You know, Reeves did a lot of, a lot of the, you, you know, the battery and stuff, the flick arms up, all it up, did it really well, which allowed me and me and Brando to, to, to do what we did. And Jamie Birch got a really given great credit, uh, real talent. Unfortunately, maybe he probably would say he could have done better with himself, but for whatever reason he, he didn't think but I really enjoyed playing with, with Reeves I think that last six months we really uh, caused a lot of problems I think I ended up and, and, and this is partly due to, to, to Reeves as well and uh, to Brando and to Mark Hudson as well I think I ended up with was it 14 or 15 in 21 games or something about close to that and that's because, uh, you know, I had good players around me, simple as that. And uh, if I got a chance, and I like to stick the ball in the back of the net, it gave me a good feeling. And I like to experience that feeling on a weekly uh, basis if I could. But he was, he was really good. And, and I always say to Dave, and I think he, he maybe took it away a little bit, and I didn't mean it. I said so it's a pity that we didn't uh, meet up five years before. It would have been really, really interesting to see what we would have done if we would have had a 30-year-old Greavesy and a, a 22, 23-year-old uh, Glenn Hurst. I can't the thing, I think that, that was being but uh, by the by, the work we did was very good. I, I really enjoyed playing with him, but, you know, very unique, uplifting personality and uh, he would brighten anybody's day, that's for certain. Yeah. You know, on the, on the bright side of life, uh, brought the best out of people. And uh, well, one of the funniest, uh, funniest people you'll ever meet, but very genuine and heartfelt. Even like you know, on those days that you you felt angry or things weren't going with you, 
like, and you might say something, and it or say, I know you don't mean that thing. And you know what? He was spot on. He was really, really good, uplifting. And it was, it was great to have, a, have around the place that the club was very, very blessed at that time to have what, what it needed. Muggleson with the free kick for Chesterfield. Reeves beaten by Sampson. Davis. Hudson. Flicked on for Hurst. Chance for Glyn Hurst. Oh, it's a goal for Chesterfield. Yes. Glyn Hurst, the scorer. 21 minutes of the game gone. And Glyn Hurst puts Chesterfield in front of his third oh, goal. Brandon did well. Chris Brandon now. He's got Reeves to his right and Hurst to his left. It's Hurst now. Hurst driving forward. Can he get his shot in? The Northampton defence does its job, but for how long? A chance for Brandon! 2-0 to Chesterfield! Chris Brandon is the scorer, and it's his second goal of the season for Chesterfield, who now goes 2-0 up. Booty for Hudson. Hudson down the line for Hurst. Hurst showing his pace again here against Jerry Gill. There's two in the area, and it's a goal for Chesterfield! It's 3-0 to the Spirites! Wide to Burt. Oh, that's a good ball. Hurst on side. Hurst away here. And Glynis scored his second goal of the night. And Chesterfield's fourth. It's in the back of the net for Glynis. And, and I, I was interested that, so in the three seasons you were here, so in the first season it was kind of Nicky Law, Dave Rushbury, and then we went into the second season, it was kind of Rushbury and then Dave Thompson did a bit, I think, and then Lee Richardson kind of finished the season. It was all a bit... And obviously, we we stayed up on the last day of the season against Blackpool, wasn't it? I think we um, needed. Yeah, well, yeah. Was that, that was was did, did Rush resign back two two games before to give us the best possible? You know, really, you know, Dave was a really good fella. You know, really, really good fella. He knew what he needed to help him personally to develop. You know that he doesn't get given enough credit for for, for that. Obviously. Physio for a number of years, he had, he had great knowledge. I mean, he, he obviously, you know, super well. He obviously identified maybe something I needed help with, and he said, Then would you do this? And, and I did. And you know, what? I've got to thank him for that because you know, it's it's helped me immensely. He he went through all the way what he went on notice. He probably won't be remembered for you know, like all his managerial exploits, but you know, on a personal level, he would try and help every single one of his players. And, you know, overcome, like, you know, if they had any personal issues or, you know, overcome, to help them to become the best person they can be. And you should take great uh, credit and satisfaction knowing that he has helped a lot of players in, in that area of your life. And that's really, really important. And then we moved on to, obviously, Rico took over from that. And I know that I know Rico's forged a fantastic career as a sports psychologist. And I know that he was, um, you know, heavily into getting into that when when he was coming towards the back end of his career. But, you know, he, he was a good manager to play for. He, he knew his players. He knew how he wanted to play. Obviously, he was a manager for three, three years in the end. And quite unfortunately, it didn't probably work out exactly. How he, how he probably envisaged it to, and I bet he gave it a good go. Uh, but he's forced a good career. I think he's a sports psychologist, and he's, I think he's worked with the England cricket team. I think he's worked with Sam Allardyce at West Ham. And, you know, he's gone on to, you know, find a real 
a real thing what suits his personality where he can where I think like Dave and Rick are really what I call people helpers and people developers and helping you to you know understand yourself and to help you get the best out of yourself. They they, they were they were terrific from that. They were probably like sports scientists and sports psychologists who were probably way ahead of their time. Where a lot of the people probably didn't understand them, but you know, I, I certainly did, and I certainly understood, and I took on like the help that they gave us to, to develop yourself personally, to be like, more positive, to cut out any like you know rational thoughts and things like that. They were way ahead of the game, and they they, they were really good. Because put me onto a sports psychologist, uh, uh, Peter, who I worked with um, for the last. Was it the last 18 months when I was at Chesterfield? And I think the results are there for everyone to see. Peter was like, Peter was terrific, but it was only, you know, Rico's suggestion. He didn't say, Clint, you must go see him or be I said, you know, you know what? Rico's trying to help. He's trying to help it then. He's trying to help all of us. And, and the offer was open to, to everyone. And I worked with Peter for 18 months, and you know what? He was really, really good. Obviously, Rico had identified those areas, and he probably did a lot of that work in the time when he was at the club. And I think a lot of the unseen things what he probably put in place that we probably should take uh, great credit for. And uh, you know, two two genuine, genuine helpers of people with Dave Rushby and, and Lee Richardson. I think they'd be important for that for, for, for certain. Yeah. What what kind of things did they did they kind of help you to? to learn then in in psychology because I, su- I suppose as a striker um you're always under pressure aren't you <laughs> to finish finish the chances you know yeah. it's a quite a high, it's a high pressure role isn't it and especially if you look at like the game against Luton you know you get that chance in what 88th minute or whatever it was you know and it's it's a very high pressure situation isn't it it isn't. I think uh, you know, just helping you maybe not. So if you missed it, missed the opportunity, it wasn't the end of the world. You know, don't beat yourself up about it. It'll be another point. You know, and at the end of the day, I, I remember. You know, a lot of managers used to be you know sticklers for. You know, if training started at ten o'clock and you had to meet at the ground at half past nine. It was like that. some managers would go off their heads and don't do a thing. Why are you not there? I think Rico's answer to that was, well, how do we know somebody might have died in your family? We don't know you could have you had an accident on the way. You know, try to put like, a thing more rational, uh, you know, perspective to thing. And I think that so the same is with you know being a striker. You know, you're not going to score every chance yet. You know, we aim for perfection and we want to score every chance. But you know, just putting putting a little bit of sensibility into your thinking, you know, that, yeah, we want you to, obviously, you know, be sharp and take it. If you don't, get the next one, you know, and, you know, how you see the bigger picture. Football is important. Yeah, absolutely, it's important. But, you know, there's a bigger thing called life out there, and, you know, there's people. And then with football players in particular and professional sport people, we are people at the end of the day. I think that's the message what they were, they were trying to send to people that, yeah, you know, we're, we're probably talented at what we do and we work hard, but you know what, underneath all that, we're human beings as well. You know, with feelings, with thoughts, and yeah, as long as you're doing your best and that, you know, and we're coming to training to try and get better and to improve, but you know what, there's, there's, there's 
we're human beings and proper people under there. I think that's the main thing I took away. And you know what they are, right? You know, we're all trying to, you know, put the cutting edge and the pressures are are high pressures are on managers, on players, on things, but I think they had a great way of really good way of rationalizing things. Yeah. You know, to keep you keep you in the here and now to, to make sure you, you didn't overthink things or over catastrophize things, if I could say that. And yeah, they were really good people. Yeah. It's, it's interesting, actually, because that's why I started the podcast in the first place, was to try and get a sense of you as people rather than as players, because we only ever see you in, in your uniform of a football kit. <laughs> and I never, never see you in your civvies, never, never see you anywhere apart from on a pitch. And, you know, you, you kind of get this, as a fan, you have this weird, uh, I don't know, uh, we kind of have weird relationships with you as as people because we don't necessarily look at you as people. Uh, yeah, you know, and, and, and there we go, Damon. And this is this this is the very perception where I think you know Rico and Dave were trying to challenge. You know that we build up we build up those ideas and we build up those thoughts in our heads and those, that, that imagination can can run wild and run rapidly. So, but I think it's like if I could say that, we, uh, but in reality we, we are people. You know, we didn't go out onto the pitch to, to miss an opportunity or to defend it, to give a penalty away, a goalkeeper to chuck one in. Or, you know, and it, it was always coming back to the human elements of, of, of the young people. And from, from, from that, they, 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 they were the best around. I wouldn't say, like, you know, football managers and that, they, no, but as in, you know, being proper people and understanding, you know, how that, the human psychology and that we are people and, and um, so if we go on to that 2003-4 season, like you said, it was a, it was like a proper 4-4-2, wasn't it? I was speaking to um, Paul Hall, who uh, was there kind of uh, season after, I think. Um, but, but he was saying that like as a winger, he was like given a bit of a free role to join in the attack, which I suppose Chris Brandon did uh, yeah. uh, when, when you were there. But it was a real... Like proper four four two, wasn't it under Roy McFarlane? Yeah, it was. It was a four four two, and it was uh, like, that, like when we, we needed to be defensive and solid. We did, and we went narrow, and we went in. But when we attacked, we we, we gave it a real good run. It was like the two wingers pushed on and get the ball to the wingers, get the full backs like overlapping, and we're going, we're going to we're going to touch you, and we're going to see kind of a no no fear approach when we when we're attacking and. Yeah, like I mentioned earlier, not as in thing. I think our attacking style at the second half of the season in the third season was excellent. It was very, very good. We, we caused a lot of good teams a lot of problems and we scored a lot of goals. Yeah. You know, that's great credit. It was, it was good good to play in. Roy was a very underestimated manager, I thought. I think when you look at uh, the clubs he'd been at and, you know, the, the financial constraints what he had to work and I think I think he did really good work at the clubs at all the clubs he, he was at. You know, I think uh, that needs, needs to be applauded and uh, you know I, I think under the situation and everything that went on, I think he did really, really good work. Mm-hmm. You know, he was a good manager. It was a, it was one of those managers who, you know you want to play for that's for certain. Yeah and yeah. and you, you mentioned some of those games from that that season, like there was the 4-2 against QPR, 3-1 against Wednesday, um, and then you scored the winner against Barnsley as well, didn't you, in a 1-0 win against Barnsley? 
Yeah, oh, that's right. It was in the second half. Of, uh, did we take about 2,000 away? And I think we patted in the first half. They had good John Fulgerson was their manager. I think they were going quite well. I think Gary Moore was a centre-half with somebody else. We, we, we beat them 1-0. We, we beat them with a convincing one. They literally, I think we scored with about 10 minutes to go. And but the first half, I think, it was it Illich in goals for them, I think? Some, uh, he, he put up about four or five goals, if I remember correctly. And uh, if we would have won, won that game about three or four, it would have been, it would have been a, a just a scoreline, that's for certain. But it was a, another good result, in it, which was, I, I thought it was a really, really good team. I think results and performances justify that, if that's the marker that you think. I think we... We put a lot of good sides to the squad. You know, it would have been interesting for me if we would have been able to, if Roy would have probably thought about changing around as much as what he did, or maybe added to that and kept the players what he did. It would have been interesting to see what we would have done the next season. Surely now Ian Holloway's men would go on to complete victory. Afraid not. Instead, they surrendered the initiative again just three minutes later. McMaster's cross met by Glyn Hurst. QPR couldn't manage another comeback and 10 minutes from time their fate was sealed. Clark Carlisle's mistake punished by Mark Hudson. Chesterfield now unbeaten in seven home games, not the form of relegation strugglers. QPR don't look much like promotion contenders either. I wanted to mention the red card against Notts County because you got sent off against Notts County and you had a three-match ban. This is kind of getting into that latter. I wanted to ask in the context of, because obviously you mentioned Notts County, um, yeah. these transfers are, are kind of simmering. Sometimes are happening for quite a long time. Um, so I wonder if that... There was an element on that. I must be honest about that. It's funny the other day because... Uh, uh, my son said to me, oh, Dad, I, how many times did you get sent off? And, and then my wife pipes up, he won't pipe up. So, well, I went to tell Joshua about uh, the time against Knox County. I remember the one thing I remember that day. It was really, really windy, wasn't it? You know, I think it was about 78 miles out of wind. And I think uh, Dave Pipe there, right back, he, he put two really, really heavy challenges. And uh, Rowan Fernandez was a, was a referee that day. And, Roman, I'd say, can we have some protection here, please? Because he, he put that to one of them was like a leg breaker, and then the third one, I think, uh, he he tried to stab me in half. I think it wasn't that was uh, and then the, the the fuse went, and I think I dropped the nuts on him if I remember correctly. <laughs> and uh, just, just a pure pure of pure reaction, rightfully so, got got, got sent off. And uh, then I think about, it was about two weeks later after the game, I got a phone call from one people I said something about, because uh, somebody talking on behalf of uh, Gary Mills, he said, oh, you know, that's spirit, that's what it's all about, and he wanted to say it. So, uh, you know, from, from that, he he obviously wanted to, I think he wanted to go, he wanted to sign uh, Steve Bradley as well. At the, at the time, you know, that rightfully, so he, he, he should have got because Steve was a he was a great leader, you know. I thought he was fantastic. He was one of the best in the house to play. You know, I I saw him. I saw like, playing with Steve up against some of the best, uh, you know, strikers in the league, one of the division, or whatever it was called at the time. Uh, you know, actually not give top class strikers a kick. You know, he was a superb leader of men. Uh, you knew what he was going to get. 
great-headed, great defender, brilliant and playful, absolutely horrible to play against. Uh, the only thing I would say about Steve is he probably don't manage that. I don't know which was uh, tighter, was his back or his wallet tighter, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's funny, like around that time, the, the, around this time was when I first started taking a proper interest in Chesterfield. So I started going to a lot of games and, and one of the earliest matches I kind of remember from around then was a 4-0 against Northampton. And I think you scored in that and I think Chris Brandon scored in that as well. But there were some like proper characters, wasn't there, with with people like Blatherwick and Brandon and yourself. And yeah, you, you, you know what? I actually, you know, Brandon was a really, really good player. You know, you know, one of the fittest lads looked after himself, wanted to do well. You know, a bit, bit of a bit of a live wire. I, I felt a little bit sorry for him. You know, the thing Roy used to give him quite a difficult time, but because he managed him at Torquay, I think Roy felt that that was the best. To, you know, to wind him up and to to, to get the best out of him. But I wasn't altogether sure, and you know, there were some blazing arguments sometimes between them. But you know what, Chris was a really good player. Yeah, another one I think you know really underrated. Uh, you know, went on to have a, a good career. But I'll tell you what, he did, uh, he did terrific work for Chesterfield Football Club for certain. And, you know, I think uh, when we were talking earlier about, you know, where, where the unfortunate, where the club's got gone to, you know, the likes of Steve Paddock, uh, Bobby Michel, you know, Chris Brandon, uh, David Reeves, Carl Wilson. If you look back at the thing, I, I would imagine over the last 10 years, you know, the club would have probably given the right arm to have some characters like that, yeah. some proper personalities, you know, some people who bring life into things who, who are not, not afraid to, to stand up for what they believe, not afraid to, uh, you know, speak out when, when it's needed to, not not afraid to give you a few harsh words at half time to, to, to get in jeeble, which they, they certainly would have. I mean, now conformity seems to be, uh, you know, part and parcel of the modern day game. But, you know, these characters like Steve and Mike Reeves, and obviously when you speak about the Chesterfield teams, even before Mike, like Sean Dyche, like Billy Benson, you know, real leaders of men who who are not afraid to, you know, just say, oh, you know, listen, get your finger out. Yeah, I think, I think people are scared of that kind of that strong personality but these strong personalities are what build really good teams yeah and really strong teams and you know for, for me strong personalities you know bring me them every day of the week because i love them they bring me with with, uh, with their eccentricities and all and because we are all human we are all faults but you know these are footballing people and you know, the, the, the personalities that they were excellent to play with. I, I, I loved every minute of my time working with them, getting to feel quite honoured to, to have gotten to know them on a personal level. And, you know, well, really, really good people. You know, good players, good people, good professionals. And, you know, I, I, can, only tell, I can only say good things about them. They were proper football people. And I'm glad that I came across that. That's what says. Yeah. And it was a really fitting game to sign off really for Chesterfield um, you know you can't have a better last game for a, for a club than to sign off with a goal in the last minute that keeps you up yeah it was you know what I and I do I, I dedicate that culture to everybody who's been at Chesterfield for 
from the three years and all the, the hard work. I think that, that that goal, you know, summed up everything what I'd put on. One of the one of the club over the three years probably from, you know, you know, there probably times where the people behind the scenes probably didn't know until the last minute if there was gonna be, you know, a club and like you know, with the bills what had to be paid and you know, and uh, all, all the shenanigans what have gone behind the scenes. So it was a that goal was for them, it was for the fans who stuck by us thick and thin. I think we still averaged four, five, five thousand fans. You know, for a home game over the three seasons. So that was a testament and a credit to them. And also to every player who put on a, a Chesterfield shirt over those three years, who gave their all to make sure that the club stayed at Division One, that, well, the League One team, and gave their all, whether it was for 20 minutes, whether it was for 20 games. And it was testimony to them and testimony to every manager and coach and uh, every person, you know, you. Your team coach, you know, was involved in the club. It's a testimony to them as well. You know, you know, really great work was done on a limited deal. Not once, not once did I ever hear the word relegation. Did I ever hear about people, you know, point fingers and say, oh, it's your fault. It was just, it was, it was positive. I look back and I look back at things that the people who were running for it, managers, coaches, assistant managers, should take great credit because you know what they kept a level, a level ship and a really good ship in in, in, in a sea of turmoil. It was really good and that that goal epitomizes all the behind here. Yeah, absolutely. And and like I remember when that goal went in, I was I was hugging a man who I've never seen before and I've never seen him since. But we had the most <laughs> most amazing hug. And then, and then we were after the match, you know, that everyone was putting their scarves out of the cars on the way home and on the way to the pub and, and stuff like that. And it was almost like they'd won the FA Cup and the Champions League and the Premier League and everything else all at the same time. It was just... And like you say, it was probably a huge release of accumulation of a number of years and actually not just that one match at that time. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, every, every fan, every player, every coach could actually do the Chesterfield experience. And then, then live the highs and the lows, obviously, with the, with the FA Cup before that, and you know, the euphoria of that, and the John Duncan years where you were up there challenging those years and some promotion. And then to, to go through that, that was just it was a period of the club, like, like I said earlier, you know, it's not going to be uh, fondly remembered for title challenges, apart from the last six months where I thought we had a really good team, but it should be remembered for, uh, you know, a rebuilding. Rebuilding time and people, everybody played their part, should say, great credit for help rebuild what is a, a fantastic football club to help put it back on its feet financially and uh, in, in the football context as well. And uh, there, there's a lot of lessons to, to be learned from that, and hopefully, a lot of lessons can be implemented into, into the current squad and hopefully that we can get back up where it's uh, not where it, 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 it does. Not a bit long because that's the long word where it aspires to be, I think. The ball in here for O'Leary, chance for Luton, and O'Leary's touch wasn't good. The ball goes out of play for the goal kick. Meanwhile, at the end of the field, we've got a Luton man down on the edge of the centre circle. I think it's Chris Coyne that's, well, he's just up back to his feet now, in fact, as Carl uh, Muggleson prepares to take the goal kick. So. Grimsby Town are losing at Tranmere. 
Russian and Diamonds are losing at home against Port Vale. Brentford are winning at home against Bournemouth. And Glynhurst, the chance here for Chesterfield! Glynhurst, the ball down the field! Glynhurst scores for the Spyrites! And Chesterfield could yet survive! What a goal from Glynhurst! A big kick downfield! Spyrite supporters absolutely delighted! Glynhurst, with three minutes remaining, has put the Spyrites in front! And interesting that... Um, because obviously everyone has to have a career after football. Um, you, you kind of went into teaching, didn't you? So you had spells at like Notts County and then Shrewsbury and uh, and Bury and quite and a few other clubs. But then you ended up going into teaching, didn't you? Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, it took me what, six years over multi to, to, to get my degree because being out of education for as long as what I did. I think along the way I. Uh, Obtained uh, three certificates, including my advanced uh, certificate in counselling, which I got to which was really informative. And then I had to start my level one maths and English and science again, but not be able to do that. That different GCSE equivalencies, my equivalent equivalencies in those three subjects. I did a fast track course for a year, where I did my teaching degree for, for three years. and. Ever since I've been at Sacred Heart Catholic College in, in Crosby's, I think I'm starting my eighth year there now. Fabulous people. I can't, I can't uh, begin to explain you know, the school what we're at. The community is a very unique community of you know, really good, helpful people who sort of, you know, it's, I just feel like I landed on my feet at Sacred Heart. We really have wonderful people there. We have wonderful pupils. Uh, what, we, uh, what we teach. Uh, we've just got a new minister, Mooney, who really knows his stuff. He's going to he's leading the, the school even further forward. I just feel really, really lucky to have um, landed on my feet to, 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 to teach at a school like two. And, and I enjoy every day. You know, every day is different. I was teaching my subjects at RE, you know, which I've learned from scratch, which I thoroughly enjoy, and I love learning about it even more every day. And that's also linked in with, uh, you know, going back to Marine Football Club as the 23 coach again, uh, which I was two years ago. We got promoted for the season, and it was fabulous. You know, we did great work. We actually built a, we built the squad for a uh, Sunday League Division 2 to the PM4. Got, got a chance 
same kind of thing and it's just uh, I love being involved in football so you know I love it as much now on this side I know you hear people say you know it's the next best thing to play you, you, you know what I, I, I love the coaching and the managing just as much as what I enjoy playing you know uh, about when was it um, three three years ago I've been through two cancer operations and uh, you know that uh, you know I, I love life anyway. I must say, but it really, really awoken me to you know what we get about life, uh, especially when I, when I went back the first uh, cancer operation. I, I thought you know uh, it took four months to recover. I thought well, this was the day that we went to go and find out uh, if I was in remission or not. It was still there, so I had to have another had to have another operation. You know, it was during that time in, in the thing where me and Yvonne got talking. You know, when you, you start having these conversations, what happens if Joshua doesn't wake up and his dad's not there? And, you know, making plans for the future. And you have all those, you know, conversations, what you're going through, and those experiences. And then I decided to and then thankfully uh, I got given the, the, the all clear. But the one thing it does, the one thing it does, it makes you realise that you know, make the most of every opportunity because we don't know when we we don't know when we're going to or if we're going to be here tomorrow. So to have these opportunities to teach the next generation about a subject what I love, and to teach the next generation about opportunities like in football to become the best you can be, and we're going to train you to become the best you can be within that. I, I I look at all those and, and I love every opportunity that comes comes my way and I feel very very fortunate that I'm here to enjoy those uh, to enjoy those opportunities because unfortunately some uh, colleagues what I've worked with over the past couple of years they they went through the same but unfortunately for it didn't quite work out uh, for, 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 for them and their families so uh, I'm very very grateful that I'm here to 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 make a difference if I can. Yeah, absolutely. And, and and I spoke to Tony Lorma, who was the most positive, uh, and he's beaten cancer, what, five, six times, something like that, and he's doing the Great North Run in a few weeks. Um, he's the most amazing person to speak to. Um, and it definitely sounds like 
the that teaching and, and football and that community aspect and developing people and being a people person kind of fits your personality perfectly. It, it, it does, and uh, you know, I, I do, and I'll go back to, and that's probably why I say that strongly that you know, if you do things for the right, right reasons and for the right motivations and, and, and right, uh, right outcomes come out of it, and I do, I think you're spot on there, Dave. I think it suits my personality, it suits the person, the person I am, and you know, it's all about helping the next generation to be, become better, hopefully, better than what we are, and hopefully, they can help. Uh, the, the, the better world for them and their families as well. You yeah. know, and hopefully, uh, especially better football in the world as well, which is, you know, we are think we're united by not only a country, but uh, by, by, by a global football. I think, you know, I think the World Cup and, and the European Cup teaches you that. And, you know, we, we can break down many, many walls with, with, with football. And if, if I can help one person through football, and to finish off on a really frivolous question um everyone that's been in as part of the saltgate era of, of chesterfield football club i i always ask them what they used to get from linda's sandwich shop at the end of the road what what uh-huh. do you get from linda's i i used to get a tuna tomato on a whole wheel back and one one day we'll recreate the Ian Everett flick on, <laughs> and and you'll finish. It might take well, a few years to get you all together, but we'll recreate. I'm going to say you have to wait until Evo's one about to be on the bounce at Bolton, and then he'll be in a good mood, and then we'll bring him along. Also, otherwise he'll be snarling at us. So, Grimsby Town are losing at Tranmere. Russian and Diamonds are losing at home against Port Vale. Brentford are winning at home against Bournemouth. And Glynhurst, the chance here for Chesterfield! Glynhurst, the ball down the field! Glynhurst scores for the Spirites! And Chesterfield could yet survive! What a goal from Glynhurst! A big kick downfield! Spirite supporters absolutely delighted! Glynhurst, with three minutes remaining, has put the Spirites in front! They need to get off the pitch quickly. Supporters need to get off the pitch quickly and let the game continue. But Chesterfield have the lead. Glynhurst, the score of the goal. High drama and Saltgate in these dying minutes then. Chesterfield have the lead. If results stay the same, Chesterfield will stay up. And Glynhurst getting his share back on there. Scorer of 12 goals this season, that's number 13 for him. Will it be lucky 13? And we've now had four minutes of stoppage time. Surely there can't be much more to this. Luton have the throw. The ball cleared to Shawumbi. Ever got a foot in there. The ball goes across now to Emerson Boyce for Luton Town. And the final whistle goes and short again. Chesterfield have beaten Luton Town this afternoon and in a mass pitch invasion of supporters, Chesterfield look like they've stayed up.